Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, welcome to CarCast. We, uh, we've got some good stuff. We're going to talk about an update on Goldberg's Garage, how that's happening. We're going to talk a little bit about some Audis, RS7, uh, the RS6. Uh, we're going to touch on that again. And of course, the Ford Bronco embargo has been lifted. All kinds of great data on the new Bronco, not the Bronco Sport, full-size Bronco. Before we get started, a word from our friends at Empire Covers. Nowadays, cars are designed to keep you safe on the road, but are you providing the same protection for your car off the road? That's where Empire Covers comes in. They have high-quality, affordable covers engineered to protect against rain, UV rays, tree sap pollen, pretty much anything that damages your vehicle's paint. And for premium protection, try out their American Armor covers. They're proudly made in their Kentucky factory, and they have covers for RVs, boats, motorcycles, and more, pretty much anything that you guys need. All covers come with a free multi-year warranty, and we've got a good deal for you. If you go to empirecovers.com slash carcast, use the promo code carcast at checkout, you'll get free shipping plus an extra 15% off your entire order. That's empirecovers.com slash carcast. The promo code is carcast. It's Empire Covers. Protect what you love. Hello, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator. DeAndre here with Bill Goldberg. How are you? Exciting news. I got an Impala last week, but unfortunately it has four legs instead of four times. <laughs> I saw Wanda post a picture of a giraffe named Wanda. She's like, I think my neighbor has a giraffe also named Wanda. And I was like, how do you have a giraffe? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But our, one of our neighbors is part of the Goodyear family, so they're 20,000 acres. They can have just about anything they want out there. A matter of fact, I think they're getting a herd of black rhino being delivered by a 747 next month. That's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> These people are from a different planet, but they're great people. You know, they do a lot of uh, animal conservation stuff. And, uh, I I'm, I. I I don't think Wanda could be any happier that there's a giraffe named Wanda that's a neighbor of hers. Yes, she could be happier. It could be hers. It could but be hers. no, we have a, a, a no giraffe, no, no giraffe zone on the Goldberg property yeah, right could, now. She could visit the neighbor giraffe. And it's funny because uh, I was talking to, uh, to Tammy about it as well. She goes, how did you not know there was a neighbor giraffe? I go, well... They got a bunch of acreage, and then the neighbors got a bunch of acreage, and who knows by the time the draft figures out where the property line is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, that sounds amazing. Uh, so much fun stuff going on down there. All right, so uh, the big thing in the car news right now is the embargo has been lifted for all of the testing on the Ford Bronco. Uh, people are still getting those emails from Ford saying, hey, there's been another delay and, you know, we get, we're missing the roof and whatever pieces. So it's – but obviously there's a handful of Broncos. They brought a bunch of people out to Texas to uh, one of their events and started driving the Bronco around. Uh, and it worked out. You know, it's it's every bit as cool as we thought it was going to be. Um, you can grab – you know, you can hop online to any one of the various publications and kind of see what's going on. Our friends at what's Edmonds. even cooler is go to uh, on Instagram, go to ADD Boss, mm-hmm. um, where I got the bumpers, and they've got some killer shots of the new Bronco with their new bumper packages. I don't know how long they've had the vehicle, or whether it's photoshopped or whatever, but they got some pretty cool stuff out there. Yeah, you know, and I think uh, fourwheelparts.com, we have a friend over there that's, you know, one of the bosses, and uh, she's been doing a lot with it already, you know. Um, so it it's not that nobody can get them. It's just very it, – it, it's trickling out because of the limitations on the vehicle. So the handful of, of people that were able to get it, mostly people that were on an early list because they are developing aftermarket parts for it. Uh, a lot of these vehicles you're going to see at SEMA, you know, not 
necessarily because they're a you know they're a speed core or a ring brothers build because they have developed products for it like you're talking about like the bumpers and 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 things like that different accessories that need to be shown off at SEMA that's what SEMA's about right it's about the aftermarket yeah. parts so it's some it's some pretty cool stuff so they brought out uh, a handful of of these Broncos. Uh, the two doors, the four doors, the various trim levels, the two engine packages, and they let everybody kind of have at it for a while and try the different uh, versions of it. Uh, lots of great stuff out there. Of course, our friends at Edmonds did a great video. Carlos Lago hosted a great video. It's about 20 minutes long, but every minute is worth watching. Uh, and it is pretty cool. So there's the 2.3 liter turbo four-cylinder, which is standard, I believe, in the Ford Ranger. It's 275 horsepower and 315 pound-feet of torque. And the 2.7 liter V6 is 315 horsepower and 415 pound-feet of torque. Uh, I believe that's a little better six-cylinder than uh, a little more than what's in the the Ford F-150. Um, the big difference between the four-cylinder and the six-cylinder is the four-cylinder is available with a manual transmission, and it's a seven-speed manual, but it's essentially the six-speed that we know. Uh, I, I'm not sure if it's Tremec. I'd have to find out for sure. Um, but they added a a real steep, like, rock crawl first gear. Uh, I was I was watching one of the videos to find out were people driving them on the streets and using the first gear, you know, um, and then obviously shifting quickly because it's, you know, it's more of a crawl gear or around town where people are just going, I don't know, just start in second gear. That's the real first gear, you know, and then just drive it. So that's kind of kind of interesting. Um, it is, it's pretty cool to have that. And I believe the automatic is the, uh, the 10 speed. So it's the 10 speed auto. Uh, it has uh, standard is a two speed electronic shift on the fly transfer case. It's got a 272 low ratio and has an optional 306 low ratio uh, it has a 4A automatic mode, and which is kind of in between the 2 high and the 4 high, uh, which is kind of interesting. Um, it, it has – when I drove the Mustang Mach-E, the electric vehicle, and people familiar with driving EVs will will understand this, but the Mach-E had one pedal – driving mode you can turn it on and off so you would hit the accelerator and then when you let off the accelerator it would apply the brakes now in ev mode i say brakes but it's doing something a little bit different with the motors and whatever so in that in that the charging when when you're yes like the brake the regenerative braking is similar to that but but it's actually slowing the vehicle down so when you hit the accelerator Obviously, you're moving forward. When you lean off of the accelerator, it slows the vehicle down. Let's call it brakes. Let's not get too technical. Let's let's say it's essentially applying the brakes. And then how quickly you let off that accelerator determines how much pressure you're – You know, so the, the if you hop off of it quickly, it'll apply the brakes fairly <laughs> – Fairly quickly, you know, smooth enough, but fairly quickly and bring you to a stop. And I was driving the Mach-E and just in traffic, I was playing with that. It takes some getting used to, but then you realize it, it is kind of cool. Then you, as you start to feather the accelerator up and down, forward and braking, forward and braking, you start to realize it's kind of interesting and it's kind of neat and it gives you more control. You don't have to lift your foot and apply it to the brake. You can still do that, of course, and you can switch this mode on and off. Uh, Of course, the brake pedal always works, but it was an interesting feature in the EV. Bronco uh, is applying that feature to their vehicle. Right, so for the gas engine vehicles, there's not an EV mode, obviously, but when you're driving off road or whatever you want, you start to realize, hey, I just want to creep forward a little, 
and hit the brakes a little and creep forward and hit the brakes, normally you would left foot brake or you'd have to take your foot off the accelerator mm-hmm. to, to apply the brake. And if you're going very slow or crawling or whatever, that's it's more it's more actions happening. So they I could see it be advantageous in that scenario. Yeah, so but not, it, no other one really. <laughs> well, when you're when you're driving it around town, uh, when you're driving the Mach E, the EV, it takes some getting used to, and then you realize it is kind of interesting because when you're coming up on somebody on the freeway, you know, and you're like, oh, this guy's in the left lane, he's going too slow, and you're kind of coming up quickly. You you let off the the accelerator and put your foot on the brake, and this just allows you to keep your foot in one place and kind of I don't know it's it's kind of interesting. I I use both the modes, right? I I drove around town in the in the Mach E, and I used it. And then when I was like up in the canyons and going through, I kind of liked not using it because I was driving it more like a sports car, right? Because there was different things we could do. You drive it in traffic, you do a little of this, do a little of that, and it's kind of sporty, the Mach-E, so they said try the Malibu Canyons. And in that regard, I was like, I kind of like the going back to, you know, what my brain remembers, and that's, you know, on and off the gas, the brake, and whatever. So I turned it so on. So you're not, you're not actively hitting the brake, but if the car is decelerating and braking when you lift. So do the do the brake lights come on? They do. Yeah. So they do. so we were just sitting in traffic from stoplight to stoplight. Light turns green. I hit the accelerator. I get to the next light. There's a car in front of me. He's at the red light, and I let off the accelerator, and it starts to slow the vehicle down. You can feel it almost applying the brakes. And then if you get off of the accelerator quicker, it goes quicker, right? So you can ease <laughs> off of it, or and then. It didn't take me very long, four or five stoplights, that's it, to start to gauge the distance and go, man, this thing, I don't know if it's using sensors or whatever, but it's definitely not hitting somebody in front of me. And I think you just pick up on it very quickly how sensitive the the system is and how you can kind of control it with your foot. But I started thinking about that for a Mustang Mach-E. I was like, oh, this is just another form of lazy. Now we don't have to hit the brakes. But as soon as I started reading about the Bronco and them going, oh, off-roading and, and rock crawling and all that, now it's an amazing feature. I was like, there it is. That's that's where that's where you want it. Uh, so hundred percent. Anyway, that was a cool that was a cool feature to uh, to see available on this. Um, in the videos, of course, you'll see. Uh, you know the eight-inch screen and the twelve-inch screen and the in the Broncos different trim levels, uh, uh, roof on, roof off, soft top, hard top, everything popping on and off, and how easy it is. Uh, we talked about fender flares um, on, you know, coming off and then fenders coming off and whatever. And I think somebody said. Without even rushing it, they just hopped out of the vehicle and popped the flares off. 90 seconds, all four flares. Boom, boom, boom. It's just super easy. Now, getting to the fender portion, I think there's like a tool, you know, like the one tool, like a like an Ikea tool or something, you know, like that uh, to make it happen. But really kind of opens the door up in the in the aftermarket. You know, if you're going literally. off-roading, oh, my God, it, really, it literally does. Obviously, the doors come off. In the in the center console, right there's the armrest. It's deep. You can you can store stuff in it. And on the front of the center console, we're near the shifter and all that. That's where your door lock and window switches are. Because when you take the doors off, your switches would go with it, right? So they also said it was very easy to remove the doors. Um, not incredibly heavy. It was easy for easy enough for one person to do. The entire roof was easy enough for one person to do. That's kind of cool. Like you got to give it some thought uh, on how things are going to happen happen, you know, uh, taking things on and off. Uh, up on the dash, we talked about like a rail system where you can mount different accessories. Um, even without the rail there, there's some mounting points with with threaded uh, inserts where you can do different types of accessory attachments. You can mount GPS and phones and, and you know, whatever, just cameras. You can do all kinds of stuff. So that was kind of cool to see. Uh you know, but the big difference is going to come down to its drivability. How is it on the road and how is it off the road? And the big difference 
between this and Jeep, right? Obviously, the benchmark. Uh, you know, Jeep is so incredibly capable off-road, but Jeep still uses an axle in the front, has a live axle in the front, and, uh, you know, we've seen Jeep is still the best one out there when you can disconnect the sway bar and tons of articulation and rock crawling, and uh, which worked out great. Uh, and again, I don't do a lot of that, so I'm sure there's a lot of details that you overlanders and rock crawlers will will know more than than I will. But the Bronco has an independent front suspension, and the independent front suspension does get rid of a lot of what the Jeep guys are saying: the death wobble, that shakiness at high speeds on the freeway. The ride comfort in the Bronco overall, I think, is significantly better. That's what all the feedback is is coming uh, in with is saying it, it's it's comfortable, it's smooth to ride, it's easy to handle. Uh, and one of the interesting features that uh, I saw in Edmund's video was they got the car all twisted up in the rocks to show the articulation, and they were able to disconnect the front sway bar and increase the articulation in the middle of it being all twisted up. Whereas the Jeep needs to be on flat ground for you to disconnect the sway bar stuff. And so you'd have to do it ahead of time where they literally had uh, the Bronco, you know, up on the rock showing what it was doing. And you see the tire way up in the air, they hit disconnect and it dropped down and it it got you some traction and showed more articulation. So that was kind of a neat feature as well. I'm not saying it is wildly better than the Jeep. You know, the you guys that use the Jeep, you'd have to drive the Bronco to really kind of find out uh, to see what what it is that you like better. Now, <laughs> Jeep, our friends at Dodge and Jeep and everyone at Stellantis, we love I always love this competitiveness between them. We talked about it before. There's Raptor, there's TRX, and there's a little gimmick under the hood of the TRX with the Raptor, you know, the T-Rex eating the Raptor. Uh, And in the past, it's always been, you know, somebody releases, hey, here's the new Dually, you know, Super Duty, whatever, and it tows 13,000 pounds. And then 12 minutes later, Dodge is like, we recalculated, we tow 13,100 pounds. You know, there's always like a one-upmanship going on. So, uh when the embargo lifted on all of the uh, on all of the Bronco stuff, that's the same day that uh, Jeep released their their whatever extreme recon package for the Wrangler that included the thirty five inch tires. Because all the the chart that that uh, Ford released was like, here's the ground clearance for the you know for the. For the Bronco and the Bronco Badlands on the 35s, or whichever term is, on the 35s is here and here's the Jeep and we've got more ground clearance. And then Jeep's like, yeah, yeah, but we just released 18 (laughs) seconds ago, we released the regular Extreme Recon. And it's like, it's a little bit more. Yeah, it's, it's basically, it's basically that. So I don't think it really makes a difference because you guys that do a lot of the big off-roading and stuff, you're going to do what you want. 35s, 37s, you can figure out what fits and you're going to customize it. But yeah, but again, it, it's cool to see the manufacturers dueling it out and I, we're, the benef- we're the beneficiaries. That's what I'm saying. Is I kind of like the idea that that now you can just go to your Jeep dealer and go, I want it with the 35s, I want the Extreme Recon, and I want to make payments on it and I want a full warranty and I just want to just take it, right? And so Boom. that's the easy part. <laughs> so I don't know, I, I thought that was kind of fun uh, to to see that. But the Bronco looks cool, and the more videos I saw and the more photos I saw, I'm still kind of torn between two-door and four-door. The two-door looks badass, but then you start to realize the four-door is pretty cool as well. And A little I guess- bit more room, larger, larger uh, – uh- uh, uh, there's more larger storage. track, yeah, you know, more storage. Yeah, it's it's a longer wheelbase, probably a little bit smoother ride. Uh, it definitely more has. Stable. Uh, it's more stable. It's got a little more storage in it. So that's the one gauge is getting four doors. Thank four doors, you, yeah, hundred percent. You know, it's it's interesting because we start to think of like, oh, as we get older, we want to get a four door so we can bring you know family and and friends. And I keep thinking, yeah, but. 
I drove a Mustang in high school, and all of my friends had to bring their own car because we all wanted to go places. We're either jamming in the back seat. So who needs a back seat more than young, you know, high schooler or whatever that's playing a bunch of team sports and wants to hang out with their friends? And 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 believe me, there's nothing more important than that. Especially after the last, I don't know, year and a half of pandemic where people weren't even allowed to go see each other. You know, uh, Gage had to spend a year with you and Wanda and nobody else. <laughs> and, yeah, and the animals. Don't, and, don't and, lots of, and lots of animals. Lots of animals for sure. Uh, so I just kind of started thinking, you know, maybe the four-door is, is kind of the way to go. I didn't look at all the trim levels to see if everything was available in two and four door. I believe it is, but still the question is going to be, what about a little later on, maybe next year with the Warthog version, sort of the Bronco Raptor that they're going to call Warthog. Mm -hmm. I've only seen the spy photos as a two door. So I don't know. Also there are spy photos that came out of a Bronco like Overlander package. They were testing it with a winch and a pop-up tent and and all kinds of stuff, which I think is fantastic because I think the manufacturers should test vehicles with all of that stuff bolted onto it. Of course, the aftermarket's good. Now, their reasoning is, hey, we want to be able to offer that stuff as accessories from the dealer. But if we do, we should be able to test that stuff as a – OE manufacturer as well. And so I kind of like yeah. the idea of that. If you guys saw the the videos of the uh, the Jeep, <laughs> the 392 Jeep, the V8 Jeep, and uh, I think it was uh, Sean Holman from uh, the uh, the Truck truck Trend Magazine, and he does the Truck Show podcast. Good friend, sweet guy, uh, really into this stuff. And he was trying to do uh, – for for the video, he was going to do donuts in the sand in the Jeep 392. And that thing is immediately between the big tires and the amount of power, he got it up on two wheels. And you hear people going, whoa, 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 whoa. And it came back down on the four wheels. But almost immediately, that thing wanted to flip itself. So I was like, uh, you got to be careful with it. I'm, it sounds badass and it hauls ass and it looks fun as hell. But now you need to start to 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 pay attention to to what you're getting there. So I don't know. Like I don't know how much testing the OEs did. They're like, let's put a 392 in here. I was like, okay, but did you do donuts in the sand? <laughs> oh, speak- we'll see. We'll see soon if they did them in the TRX because I, I need to post one of those. Yes, you should. Well, and you've got the 37s on there as well. So I don't know if you're putting more weight on the ground or are you changing the balance of it who really knows what what's going to happen so good luck yes we'll find out yeah wear a helmet while you do it just in case uh oh, yeah, yeah. the uh the bronco has this mode as well where it uh um, not quite like a torque vectoring but it allows you it when you're doing a sharp turn especially off-road and you know at slow speeds uh, you want to go very, very tight. It does uh, change the wheel speeds. The outside will go faster. The inside almost goes to nothing uh, and allows you to almost pivot on that inside tire. And then immediately all the journalists were like, it's donut mode. So as soon as you throttle it a little bit, it starts It starts doing these super tight donuts. Or like, so, you know, we've seen, Every vehicle should have one of those. I, you know, we, we talk about... You know, some of the all-wheel drive vehicles and stuff going, oh, they've got drift mode. You know, you've got an all-wheel drive BMW, and it's cool, but it'll put all of its power to the rear. And it has a drift mode and the, I don't know, Porsche Panamera Turbo and, and stuff. Well, everyone's like, it's got donut mode. I'm sure that's not what Ford calls it, but it looked like it was fun. That's cool. Uh, anyway, some cool stuff. Uh, let me tell you guys about Geico. Uh, do you own your home or rent your home? Well, either way, we know it can be a lot of hard work. But you know what's easy? It's bundling your policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And that's a good thing because you already have so much to do around your home already. So just go to GEICO.com and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. 
let's see. What else we got going on is uh, you got some new merch. I saw Goldberg's Garage post on Instagram today. You got some shirts. Yeah, some man. You know, it, uh, it only took me about 45 years to get my Goldberg's Garage merch out there. But, you know, I was just waiting for a good relationship with a good company. Ironically, Bunker Branding is within 15 minutes of my house. Um, those guys really have their finger on the pulse of the public right now with over 10 million subscribers on their YouTube channel. So they uh, gave me a little tutorial and uh, I posted on our Goldberg's Garage YouTube channel, the first video in the last nine years. <laughs> and that was the, uh, that, that was the lawman coming in. So um, expect some pretty cool different content from Goldberg's Garage on YouTube here coming up soon. But yeah, the merch, man. It's good to finally get it out there. As you can tell, yeah, I have I like no, it. No, no, uh, <laughs> you know, no problem wearing my own stuff. It's, it's cool to finally see it out there. Man. It really is. So how do, we, how do we get it? Are you launching a new Goldberg's Garage website? Where do we get the merch? Uh, you're going to be ramping up the YouTube video. So a lot uh, happening with the Goldberg's Garage brand, which we've talked about before. We've got the power packs that are coming out soon. Uh, going through some emissions testing to make those as street legal as possible. Uh, so yeah. a lot of cool it's all it's all in steps. You know, uh, Rome wasn't built in a day by any stretch of the imagination. Right now, you go to bunkerbranding.com, uh, you know, Goldberg page pops up and uh, you can order the stuff through there, obviously through the website, also through Goldberg's Garage on YouTube. It's got all the links to the to the merch, and you know, we're gonna be of, we're going to be offering it in a number of different places. Um, just stay tuned, man. Should be an interesting ride for sure. <laughs> no pun intended. And then you guys are going to start feeding the YouTube channel on a little bit more of a regular basis. Maybe you'll start to ramp it up and figure out the much pace. more so than every nine years. Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, I got to figure out, you know, the the right frequency of putting these videos out. But I, I think we'll probably put one out once a week, once every two weeks. It's got to be great content. Obviously, it's Goldberg Garage driven. So um, a lot of burning rubber and a lot of off-roading in the TRX. Mostly Dodge-centric vehicle stuff. But, you know, with Goldberg's Garage finally being erected out in the backyard, um, hopefully we'll have it completed by the end of the year. And uh, that'll be a big launch also in, in, in conjunction with the merch. Well, that'll be exciting to see, be able to, to kind of follow along and see. I know you said Dodge-centric, that's the sponsor and stuff here, but uh, the first video is the Lawman video, so at least out the gate, it's uh, it's Ford, baby. <laughs> uh, hey, 100%. I mean, you know, everybody knows that I have uh, uh, an affinity for the Dodge brand 100%, but it doesn't, it doesn't. I don't have a, a closed-minded collection by any stretch of imagination. And you know, and a lot of other people know that the pinnacle of my collection is a Ford. And it just so happens to be the lawman. So um, we it had been two and a half years since I'd seen that car, five years since it started. Uh, Marcus did one hell of a Marcus Angel did one hell of a job restoring that thing. I mean, we, he went to links that I never would have imagined. Um but, you know, after two and a half years, I mean, the car is absolutely gorgeous. We, we've got a big event we're going to go to in November. I'll talk more about it here soon. But, um, yeah, man, it was it was just an epic day. It was ironic that we were launching the, the Goldberg's Garage channel at the same time. But, you know, first and foremost, that's, that's the car that needs to be on the channel. So um, Dodge Ford doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. It's all good stuff. You still got the Porsche over there, too. Did you get that thing wrapped up? Yeah, working on the air conditioning right now. It should be done here next week. Well, good. You're going to need the air conditioning. <laughs> yes. The Porsche without the air conditioning is not even worth driving. Yeah, anything Porsche, so. anything without the air conditioning is not even worth driving. Uh, I was in uh, – yeah. When I was at Barrett Jackson, Vegas was 118 degrees. I saw people riding with the windows down. I was like, if your air doesn't work, I don't know. Maybe that helps, but – uh, I don't. I just don't get the hanging out with the windows down. Even at night, it's 110 degrees. I'm like, guys, roll up the windows, put the air on, like get yourself comfortable. <laughs> All right, man, that's miserable. Uh, okay. So the other thing I just want to mention real quick is, uh, you know, cars we've been driving. I've been spending a 
A few days in the Audi RS7, and now I drove the wagon, the RS6 Avant, and I drove the uh, the excuse me the SUV, the RSQ8. All of these things, crazy performance, right? Like they've all got I don't know five hundred and ninety-one horsepower, twin turbos. The interiors. Similar layout, similar touchscreen, similar whatever, right? So they've all got their RS button, and and they're all fast as hell. I think the RS7 is 0 to 60 in three seconds. I think the wagon was like 3.1 seconds. I think the SUV was about the same thing. So it is interesting that you, you, can, you basically can walk into the showroom at an Audi and go, I want the fastest thing you have, and they go, sure. Do you want it in the four-door hatch? Do you want it in the wagon or do you want it in the SUV? Uh, you, you can kind of pick what you want. Uh, gorgeous cars. As we walked up, I was taking some photos. Chris saw the RS7 out front. It's a white. It's got the black interior. It's got all the stitching and and, uh, and all the good features in it. It has the heated and cooled seats. The little dog jumps into the front seat. And when I, I was going to my warehouse and back to the mat cave and – Little dog sits there and looks at me. Is like wants me to turn the cooled seats on. So it's, it's underneath, underneath this little belly. He goes. He knows that he's like the seat's not doing anything and it's hot. And I was like, all right, let me hit the button. So I hit the button and you just see his face, his eyes go go roll back. He's like, ah, oh, it's the best thing ever. So apparently, cooled seats for dogs are are the new feature. Who knew it was for dogs more than it was for people? So. Uh, the thing is is incredible. The the RS7 compared to the previous version, uh, I think this one is a little faster but a little heavier, and I think that's just how they dialed in the you know the computer and how they you know. It's basically all in the programming. I don't even think it's a gearing issue as much as it is all in the programming because the previous RS7 like performance pack or whatever it was called actually had a little bit more horsepower and the mid-range power was a little better so that you know that 50 to 70 mile an hour jaunt was about a half a second, maybe 0.4 seconds faster than this one. But this one just feels a little faster overall from from the line. And I don't know what that translates to. It's like 11-something quarter miles. I mean, it's it's fast, but it's incredibly comfortable. It's a very easy car to drive when you don't put it into the crazy RS modes. Um, it, it actually doesn't even feel like it's super fast. Uh, so it, it, it ran great. It's real comfortable. There's plenty of room in it. Basically, the RS7 is the four-seat hatchback with the with the – with the swooped roof line, if you need more space, the wagon is five seat with more room in the back. And then from there, you could step up to the SUV. Kudos to their design team, man. Across the board, they're, they're gorgeous cars. Uh, the only issue I had, and this is this is probably just a dealer fix of some sort, but... Two of the three Audis that I drove had some issues with the doors opening. I There's some sort of electronic thing happening in the door. Like you pull the handle and I think it's an electronic thing that's popping it. It's not very mechanical. So I had pulled one of the doors a couple times from the outside of the vehicle and it took like two tries for it to open. So there's some – I don't know if it something needs to be – calibrated or greased or whatever or programmed or something there uh that's less of an issue because you're trying to get into the car and maybe it was just a delay like i I don't know something was some version of the computer or chip or whatever was like kind of warm it's kind of like getting into the car and you're like man it seems like my infotainment system is taking forever to boot up today uh it felt like a version of that Again, not that big of an issue because you're trying to get into the car. Uh, and it was when I got into it the first time, it wasn't later, like as, I don't know, the car was warmed up or electronics were fired up. So the issue was getting out of the car. 
uh, the the passenger seat the opening the door didn't unlock it so you couldn't open the door and then when you hit the unlock button on the passenger side it it didn't it didn't work and then that side of the door didn't open now that's a huge safety issue how do you get out of the car you know well, yeah uh, and i i don't remember exactly if i went around outside to open it to let somebody out or if i hit my door lock and then it opened but either way the passenger couldn't get out of the car so I, again i don't know that this is like a huge recall thing i just think you know fairly new car it's got a a handful of you know 4500 you know beat miles on it cuz it's just all journalist miles uh and it probably just needed to go in for some sort of service and get uh and get looked at Strange that it happened on two of them, though. but but two of them. There's something going on with the electronic door opening mechanisms of these cars that I think is a little bit flawed. So anyway, that being said, everything else seemed to work uh, work great, and like I said, it rode comfortable. It rode it was incredibly fast. They look good, and you get to you get to choose you you get to choose the style that you want. You know, do you want the sedan? Do you want the wagon? Do you want the SUV? Like they're all crazy fast. They're all fun. They all ran great. Uh, it's kind of a t- you're kind of describing a lot of manufacturers now, right? I mean, you look at Dodge, you look at yeah. Ford, you look at Audi, you look at everybody across the board. You can order just about every one of their vehicles with the monstrous motor packaging. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I'm trying to think of which one would I pick. And that's that's kind of a tough one. Um, the wagon was cool. The RS7 is cool. I think the RS7, I don't know, in some respects is a little bit easier to drive. The wagon just seemed a little bigger. But then the SUV, the Q8, had the ground clearance that you had to worry less about when you're parking and you know so it's kind of a it's kind of a tough thing so wagon all day wagon all day even though my wife wouldn't let me drive it but uh yeah wagon all day for me the, that's, that's the wagon choice. the wagon is the wagon is badass for sure and people that have them love them uh and i get it i mean i I would probably go wagon SUV uh wagon I go RS6 Avant Q8 and then RS7 and only because the wagon gives you the low center of gravity and the sports car feel but with all of the functionality of the SUV the SUV mm-hmm. still has the you know five passenger plenty of room in the back Nice ride height, ground clearances there. Uh, and then the RS7 just – the RS7, unlike a, a normal sedan, because it's it's a basically a four-door coupe, it has a low seating position. It's more of the sports car of, of the three. And then mm-hmm. at that point, you start thinking, oh, well, do I want the four-door sports car or do I want – you know, the R8, you know, V10, if I was going to get the sports car. But then the other ones, you're like, you get to say, oh, I carry five people and a whole bunch of junk in the back, and it's just as fast. It's it's really, you're talking <laughs> the tenth of a second on how fast these awesome. things are. Uh, and then a, a friend of mine reached out and said, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you like that thing. And they said, there's a very easy tune in the aftermarket that works well oh, yeah. and emissions legal. And I was like, great. What does it add? He said, about 100 horsepower. Oh, for <laughs> That's so, awesome. I mean, you're at 591. It adds about 100. You're, you're, I don't know, 690 something. Like you're knocking on the door at 700 horsepower. I mean, you're, you're, you're right. You're basically like a Canaan air filter away from 700 horsepower out of these things, which I can't imagine, uh, how, how crazy that would be. Anyway, they're all fantastic. I'll post some pictures up of, uh, of the RS7. I think you guys will take it. It, it's, it's very cool. And I kind of like that it's still a hatchback as well. And when it when it opens up, you realize, because that swoopy roof line, you're like, eh, maybe there's not a lot of room. But 
because it's a hatch, you're like, it actually is quite a bit of room because to give it the right proportions, it needs to extend in the back. So, you know, the back seats stop and then there is quite a bit of room back there uh, to to put stuff in. So I don't know. It's kind of cool. It's the whole lineup is is kind of cool. Uh, let me tell you guys about Meguiar's. You know, over the last few years, Meguiar's launched the next generation of protective products specifically geared toward DIYers. They have their hybrid ceramic line of products. Their spray wax has their advanced SiO2 hybrid technology. It delivers ceramic wax protection and durability that's far beyond traditional wax. They also have a liquid wax version. It's it's got the same long-lasting ceramic protection and an easy-to-use liquid wax. They also have the hybrid ceramic spray detailer. This one's super easy. Just spray it on, wipe it off, removes dust, fingerprints, bird droppings, pretty much anything. Gives you that nice little boost, boosted shine in between uh, in between the regular maintenance job. So it's a good, uh, really good spray detailer. And then if you like to wash your car yourself, they have the hybrid ceramic wash and wax. It's the uh, unique two-liquid system all in one bucket. It washes, it protects all at the same time. It's very, very cool. So Meguiar's, they have a hybrid ceramic solution for everyone. It's ceramic made easy. It's Meguiar's. Uh, let's see. What else is going on over there? You've got uh, you've got the Mertz. The Goberg's Garage is happening. I saw the picture of, I don't know, farm animals trying to help out. <laughs> uh, build a, Yeah, we had to put a nice electric fence around the, uh, the, around the construction area because the donkeys and uh, the longhorns were trying to participate in the build of the garage. And we didn't need any of them to fall in the footing holes. So... Yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting trying to get all hands and paws on deck to get this thing done <laughs> before the end of the year. So, um, yeah, man, it's just hurry up and wait kind of thing. But so, we're getting close. We're getting close. So how how does it look on schedule? Because the schedule wasn't – it was tough to define because you guys didn't know what was in the ground, right? Uh, where was the yeah. rock bed and how much needed to be torn out or what could be built on top of and – Water. Well, now, the, water. Now, now it's to the now it's to the point where the plumbers and the electricians need to dr- need to uh, dig a trench for everything that they're installing, right? And that wasn't dug prior, and now we're they're having to cut through solid rock again. <clears throat> so we're yeah. waiting on the rock saw and somebody to run it, and then after that's that's cut out. It's full steam ahead. Right. Okay. But the bedrock is large enough to be under the building and thick enough that it it will act as part of the foundation of the building now. 100%. Yes. So hopefully that saves some cost. I don't know. Maybe it takes two inches of thickness off of the cement or something. Save a little concrete. Yeah. Yeah, Save a little concrete. But this trench that we're going to have to dig with a saw, we're going to have to cut out, is probably bring us back up to zero. (laughs) So good. Uh, So where are you guys on timing? What does the revised schedule kind of look like now? Well, our goal is to get it in by say this end of October finished, you know, that's, that's my goal. Obviously uh, worst case scenario, we're looking at the the end of the year, but once the pad gets laid, um, all the materials are in the buildings in everything's powder coated. It's ready to be erected. From what I'm told, it's a short process, you know, probably two months to erect an eight, erect an 18 to 20,000 square foot building. But um, you know, and after that's erected, all the fun begins because then I got to do all the interior stuff. But I picked out colors and and everything, so we're moving we're moving pretty quickly at this point. Like I said, all we got to do is cut that trench out, and we're full steam ahead. Right now, the the speed because what we've talked about is working with Metron. Uh, their their specialty is in in these prefab buildings. Nothing quite to the <laughs> scale that you are doing. But the nature of prefab is everything is designed basically in CAD and software uh, ahead of time. Uh, it's not a lot of building on site. So everything, you know, all the components to the building get 
get designed and get built and cut and measured and built in giant warehouses or hangars uh, and test fitted, and then it gets taken apart and powder coated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. on site. So you're right. So you know a lot of the structure, the beams, the metal. They're going to show up. They're all pre-cut. They're all pre-drilled. Right? They all are labeled to where they need to go. They're already powder-coated and ready to go. So it's the foundation that is the big obstacle. And then from there, yes. it, the assembly goes up pretty quickly, which is interesting. Even looking at prefab homes, like out here in California, we're starting to get into more of that because – the prefab companies have really grown over the years. They have a lot more capability. The homes are larger. Uh, they fit sort of the audience out here. And I had a discussion not too long ago, which was kind of interesting, with out here, there's coastal commission. So if you're building a house, you know, within a couple of miles, you know, a mile or two of the coast, all through Santa Monica, Malibu, all up in that area of Venice. Uh, we said, hey, what what about prefab homes? Are people interested in it? And they said, yes, they are. They're getting more interested. And the city is as well. And the Coastal Commission is as well. Because when you submit plans and then you start, whatever, knocking down a house or, or something or prepping the land, the issue, one of the issues is how much of a fuss are you making with the neighbors, <laughs> Right. And they're saying, so a Coastal Commission starts to like prefab because they go in there, they knock out that foundation, and then that house is basically built in like two weeks because it's prefab. They show up with all the trucks, they make a big fuss all at once, and instead of taking a year and a half of building something, that thing just goes up very quickly. Now, of course, all the finish work and everything else like you're talking about, but as far as like closing down the streets and digging trenches and, and all that, uh, you know, the process is, is a month or two, not 12 months. And they're already designed and you know all the, the you know, the fitment, you know, the dimensions. right? Yeah. So the county doesn't have to worry about, a you know, something built on a custom home that's higher than, you know, regulation. And you're going to have to fight that. And God only knows what, what people out there do. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because I was talking to Adam uh, Carolla about it. And he said, you know, I've worked on so many job sites and you'd be surprised like inside your walls, somebody will, you know, take some of the beams and they'll they'll drill, drill a hole through it to run some conduit. And if it's not right, they're like, ah, they just move up six inches and drill another hole through the conduit. He goes, on the prefab houses, it's all designed ahead of time and assembled. So everything, you know, within the walls, it's it's far more precise. You know, there's no mistakes and holes drilled and just left there and you just cover it with drywall and whatever. Like it's just everything. Like a model airplane kit. Yeah, it's just more precise and more efficient, which just means there's no air moving around on the inside, you know, randomly and just affecting your weather, especially in a a place where you are with weather so drastic. It changes from one end of the spectrum to the other, right? So, I don't know, just some thoughts about that. Anyway, so the garage is exciting. Uh, the most exciting part is going to be that assembly. You've got to get a couple of – got to climb up a few trees or maybe bring that giraffe over and mount a GoPro on his head. And uh, Oh, I got, the dro- I got the drone working already. I got some overhead shots of it going right now. It's going to be badass. And just, you know, some time-lapse stuff for that, for that two weeks of the, of the actual build – I don't think I don't know if you could run I guess you could run a GoPro for two weeks if it's just taking like shots like time lapse. I'm sure there's some oh, yeah. version of it. If you ran a couple of those around, you get a couple different angles of of how that's happening, which is which would be interesting. It should be It's gonna be it's gonna be unreal. And I'll do some live videos from the build, you know, as I'm helping them. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I, I like anyway. the idea that we're able to follow around with this. Look, not everybody can you know, has the means to build something quite as elaborate of this, but as this, but there are versions of this that are, you know, of course, all of this is scalable. You know, I'm using 100%, the same you know, Metron, 
Yeah, Met- Metron specializes in single, you know, two car garage man cave kind of thing. Uh, you know, we're a little outside of the box, but it's it's nothing outside like, of their realm. I'm having them do a 200 square foot loft in my warehouse. Like we're talking about four beams and a platform. So anywhere from there to whatever 20,000 square feet, you know, uh, they they can do pretty much anything in in between. I mean, there's other companies that are doing it before, but we we just happen to like these guys. So. Uh, yeah, and the cool, cool the cool see. part that's what's what's really turned out to be cool is that since they have done so much business up in San Antonio with the modern wash um, outfits, yeah, they were doing. They call-offs. have, yeah, they've got everybody under the sun that they've already worked with, whether it be the concrete company or the excavation guys or electric, whoever, whatever it is. So there's no second guessing people that have been in business with them for a very long time. And so I can reap the benefit of not having that do my due diligence with every single entity that comes out to the house. It's already been proven. So, yeah. Uh, Awesome. Well, that's going to be exciting. Let's, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Um, We're running out of time today, but appreciate you guys listening. Uh, You can go to carcastshow.com. You can see all of, uh, all these shows posted up there, of course, on iTunes. We always appreciate the nice ratings and the good comments. Thank you so much for that. You can follow me at Motorator on social media. Uh, Goldberg, he's Goldberg and Goldberg Garage on Twitter, but Goldberg95 and Goldberg's Garage on Instagram. Give Goldberg's Garage a follow. You will see the new merch. There's a link in the bio to the merch if you guys are interested, but also check out the YouTube channel. And uh, I don't know. I say throw him a comment. Tell him what you want to see on the YouTube channel. See if he's got any projects that we've been talking about that you guys want to see. Uh, I don't know. We they will anything? all be there. Think, yeah. When uh, when they get that building up, you got to talk to Chris about the uh, what to put in your podcast studio. Yeah. 100%. Because your internet's working great today. I don't know where you are. Or maybe it's just the weather's cleared up, but the internet's working great today. I'll this, yeah, thank just, God. This, I'm this, stationary. This is a good room. Whatever yes. room you're in now, it's got a good Wi-Fi. So we appreciate that. I'll just that. build the garage around this room. Yeah, you perfect. around that room or get satellite dishes, something up there. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Until next time, uh, keep the air and the spare and the bag and the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. CarCast Show.